0: you are listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum uh this is a great episode i mean i I think they're all pretty great i mean some are better than others but this one i gotta say uh this is a guy who usually interviews everyone and has interviewed everyone so starting to interview people and then having this guy as an effing guest is uh it was a little nerve-wracking just because fucking you know it's like what do you ask a guy who knows everything i mean this is one of those guys who uh, really knows everything. It's amazing. You talk about any subject, and the guy has some point of view on it. And uh, and somehow he's incredibly humble and sweet and charming. I think you've heard of him. His name's Chris Hardwick. As you know, these, these, these are like therapy sessions for me. And this guy really, I don't know, it's one of those guests where I just feel like, oh, my God, I should be paying you for this conversation. I'm a big fan of uh, Hardwick's, as many of you are. He's pioneered nerd culture over the last few years. He's made things, uh, finally, that I think are cool or that I love and you love cool. And uh, we first met on a show I did, Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane, one of the shows that I did that lasted a year. I've done many shows that lasted a year or under. His alcoholism in his 20s, how he handles his anxiety attacks, which is phenomenal. Uh, It's really interesting. The bizarre and amazing start to his relationship with Lydia Hurst, where he tried to uh, let her off the hook because he thought... She was blowing him off, and uh, so much more. I could have talked to this guy for hours, but there's just not enough time in the day. He, he doesn't have enough time. He's always off to something else. How does he do it? Rob, it's hard not to like the guy, right? I mean, he's handsome. He's, he's funny. He's smart.
1: Yeah, he's like a better-looking version of you.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah, he is good. luck. <laughs> you're an asshole. Um, I think we should get inside of Chris Hardwick. It's my point of view listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum inside of you with michael rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience well how many you did 100 episode more of at midnight how many did you do 600 okay i was uh, 6% <laughs> off but what the i mean i mean isn't that enough
1: yeah, that I mean I missed the show but it I feel like we did what we I mean set out you did 600
0: do. episodes I didn't know you did 600 episodes 600 episodes Yeah so I mean but do you still feel like I'm already talking to you That's we're, fine. We're, this is what i like i mean this is, you know this is how i actually saw an interview where you were like i don't even do any research on people i i want to do a little
1: research on you but not much i just wanted to talk shit no because i just i mean you should be familiar with people when they come on but i like to discover people like if i know exactly what i want to talk about i don't then it becomes an interrogation and then uh i don't think why did they cancel at midnight <laughs> i can't talk about it you know i think people don't mind being interrogated at like seven minutes, you know, like on a couch or in a junk yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. but you can't interrogate someone for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. They, they oh, no, they'll just feel no. uncomfortable. No. Are you, are you uncomfortable yet? No, I got a pillow, but my, the small of my back.
0: Really? I feel you look really, really I want to say, uh, I'm not, I'm not hitting on you. Okay. I'm comfortable well, with my sexuality. Athletic- we're <laughs> yeah, we in my living <laughs> room. I mean, we're all just one story away from having a <laughs> real fun, That's but right. you're, but you're in great shape.
1: Oh, thanks. I mean, what do you do? Uh, I've had the same trainer guy for 12 years and we meet three times a week, but I, but I, I don't really ever take breaks. Do you like to get pushed? (laughs) No, I mean, you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. What what, what did you think I meant? I just thought, Hey, do you like it when people just come up and shove you? Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, I, when I go in, I don't really, I don't I've never questioned anything he's told me to do. And if he tells me I can do something and I go, okay, I can probably do this. And so I just, uh uh oh, like today we did a fucking, this is not going to be like, let's talk about getting jack podcast. But today <laughs> when I walked in, he, he set up a, a mat next to the pull-up bar and Oof. he goes, okay, do one push-up. Now do one pull-up. Now do two push-ups. Now do two pull-ups. And then we had to go all the way up to where I couldn't do pull-ups anymore. How many was that? And then it was... uh it was uh, one, two, 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 three, three, all the way up to nine. But then I had to go back in reverse. So it ended up being like almost fifty fucking pull-ups and like eighty-one push-ups. It was something insane. And, one one uh, thing
0: I found out: I don't want your trainer's number. You should have it. I'm sort of weird. Like, I just feel fulfilled if I just have him come over a couple of times a week. We chat a little just bit. Just talk about your – We do a couple of push-ups, yeah. maybe a couple of things. You just you... run in a circle
1: so you break a little bit of a sweat. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, well, that's good today.
0: He's like, well, we still have 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, we should
1: probably stretch. Well, I was such a, I was such a, a, a bag of booze in my younger days, and I, and I think I got to a certain point when I quit drinking where I said, you know, I don't want to hit 50 and then be a guy who's like – Oh, how do I fucking turn this boat around? You know, because <laughs> I I had a bad back and Me I, I have bad posture, and so I just uh, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna do this and see how it goes. And I just found I happened to find a guy named his names Tom Dieter's great guy, and he just we just clicked, and uh, I've been seeing him ever since. Does he
0: work on the core? We said we weren't gonna get into this. You know, you, he's you know, great.
1: He's great. Because uh, when I go in, he goes, "How are you feeling?" And I tell him, and he goes, "Okay." And then he sort of improvises a workout uh, with the understanding that he wants me to leave feeling better than when I got there. Like he doesn't want me to leave going, fuck. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. What's the
0: point? What's yeah. the point? So
1: I, you know, I leave happier. And uh, do you need to, to work
0: out because of all the shit you do? If you don't work out, will you go crazy.
1: I do. I get really sore and I get cranky and I start to get tight. And yeah, I, now I'm at a point where I can't not do it. Do you have a
0: temper? Because you you seem like the I, I, I interviewed Henry Winkler. Like last week. the
1: nicest guy in the world. Well,
0: that's what I said. And then I said Chris Hardwick. And if you say Chris Hardwick, people say the nicest guy in the world. And we've met because we met at uh, where? James Gunn's White Elephant Party probably? Or- I'll tell you the first
1: time I met. Attack of the show? It was even way before that.
0: Oh, my God. What was it? It
1: was a little show. It was dating a girl at the time who did a guest spot on a little show called Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. Who are you? Who? Oh, Jacinda Barrett. That's right. God, yes, Jacinda Barrett. And she uh, was hot. And, um, and that was uh, that, was, but it was very brief. We met very briefly. Right, you came on set. I came on set, said hi. What, and was I she, nice? You were nice. I yeah. was a kid. Yeah, we were. We, all we were kids. kids we right? were all
0: kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were all kids. So
0: you need to work out to keep all the stuff going. If you stuff, you think that it just it really helps you. You, you were get asking you, me if I had a temper. Oh yeah, I want to hear that.
1: I do, but at dumb things. When there's a real crisis, I'm, I'm surprisingly grounded and good. I get mad at traffic. Uh, I get mad at electronic devices. Are you a honker? No, no, I'm not a honker. You know, as, as I'm driving through traffic and then commenting on and really critiquing everyone else's automotive performances, it occurred to me a couple of years ago that the Internet is essentially shouting in your car that other people can hear. That's mostly what a comment thread is. I realize. Yeah. So going, Fuck this. Pro- <laughs> and then when someone goes, you can't say. That, I go. Oh, I didn't think anyone was listening. All right. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize anyone <laughs> gave a shit about it. Have anyone. you yelled
0: at someone on the road? Like literally pulled over or said pull over or anything? Like, are you are you a physical guy? Have no, you ever done that? No, no. 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 You're no, not no, an all.
1: No. You don't get an altercation. No. So no. 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 I'm not. I'm not a physical guy at all. I. You know. I was. It's odd that I ever sought fitness as an option because I was such a nerdy, unpopular kid, and I hated kids who were very physical because it just wasn't – it was so far from everything that I was into that I, for a long time, I had a very negative association with anyone who, you know. Well, tell me about that because I, w- I want to go back to Louisville. Sure. Because
0: that's where you grew up in Louisville,
1: Kentucky. I mean, I, yeah, I was born in Louisville. I grew up in Memphis primarily, but yes, I, I did. I spent the first few years of my life in Louisville and then, uh, and then, and then Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, because I
0: went to college at Western Kentucky University, all right, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I only went there because – uh, I think you needed a 2.2 grade point average to get in. I was not a smart kid. I'm not the brightest guy in the world. I have a personality. I like to say, but uh, you know, I, I as a, as a kid, I look at you know, I look at things and I'm like, oh, you were winning chess tournaments in junior high, and I'm like, and I'm uh, jerking off into a sock.
1: I did that too. Oh, good, I just, good. Yeah, Thank just God. in between chess matches. Uh, yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. Just see how I got the chess board. Knight four.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've really set everything very nicely here. You have. Uh, I'm just
0: setting it up. I just put. I just put the pawn.
1: I just you the you pawn. have. Uh, you have an autographed C3PO head. Yep. And you also that's actually
0: autographed by Chewbacca.
1: That was. Oh, was it Peter Mayhew? Yeah. That was Peter Mayhew. Peter oh, Mayhew awesome.
0: signed it. Remember, we ripped his head off.
1: And then you have the uh, the melting Nazi from uh, Raiders of the Lost Do I have the same candle.
0: Have you actually let one burn? No, I don't want to burn it. Me neither. I want to know how fast it is. But you probably can go online and see you that. probably go online and see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, you we just went one space on the pawn. We're playing a little chess game. We'll see how <laughs> long this lasts. So back to high school or, yes. or, or even earlier. I mean, you had a good family, right? I had a great family. Yeah. Yeah, my parents were fantastic so doesn't confidence stem from like parenting and like things like that so
1: yeah but I mean I, it's just that um, you know my parents I, I was around adults more than I was around kids and I was into things that other kids weren't into like com- stand-up comedy and I mean I was into things that a small group of kids at the time were into like chess and D and d and shit like that right. but but I was also very much into comedy and stand-up comedy and at, at what age? I mean, from as long as I can remember. I mean, I remember when SNL started and my parents just had no content restrictions for some reason. They just were like, oh, he likes this comedy stuff. And so they noticed right away, oh, he loves Steve Martin. So they bought me Steve Martin albums. Oh, he loves Richard Pryor. So they bought me Richard Pryor albums. And so they just didn't, I I didn't, I didn't relate to other kids because other kids, most other kids didn't really relate to comedy. You know, I didn't like other kids. I just didn't like them.
0: You know, like, did, you, did you think in a way you were just I'm smarter than these kids or they just don't don't, or I, they just don't get it I don't,
1: I thought they didn't get it and they certainly didn't get me and uh and so I was you know very much socially ostracized into the into the chess the, I was very fortunate to go to a school that had there was a a teacher who was a math teacher he ran the chess club so there was a chess club which was also like a room rumor Kids played D& and a handful of played D d and he also had a bank of Apple IIe computers and so it just that that I spent most of my I would go there before school during lunch after school and then after that I would go my dad owned a bowling center and then I would go there and play video games and then bowl at night now come on are you a good bowler yeah are you really good I'm, I'm re- what's your average right now
0: if you went and bowled right now I'll give you the first game as kind of like getting into it but okay. What's the second game? I've not
1: bowled. well, okay, I haven't bowled in a, probably a year, but I could average low two hundreds. That's amazing. But I, but I've been bowling since I was three years old. Did like my dad there? was. Did a, you work there? Yeah, yeah. My dad was a professional bowler. I grew up on the pro bowlers tour. So. How many? How many calls did
0: you get uh, saying, "Do you have did ten you have pound, pound balls? balls? How yeah. many times did you get that? M-
1: more often. You know, you get a call <laughs> like that, you almost want to go. I'm not upset that you're prank calling me. <laughs> I'm upset at the hacky nature that you think I haven't received this call before. Shame on you, sir. You, sir, I've heard this joke. <laughs> I a don't. Yeah, it's the refrigerators running. It's fuck off. Did you
0: was your first kiss in a bowling alley?
1: Uh, and was your yes. Really? Yes. Yeah, I think it was actually.
0: I want to hear about this. What was her name?
1: Oh, I don't remember. You don't need to. I don't. I, know, I, I mean, I, I was at, I was probably twelve. Twelve. 12. Was it tongue? Know. I don't think there was tongue. There wasn't tongue at
0: twelve. I think I had tongue at twelve. I'm not sure. But I, I didn't tongue. have sex till eighteen. So something <laughs> something bad happened in the next six years. Tongue
1: at twelve. Spots at eleven. <laughs> uh, I don't. Uh, yeah. I can't. I I sort of remember it. You know, it was it was a, a bowling center. To grow up in a bowling center was a great playground, especially at a time when the video game revolution was happening. Oh yeah. And, um, my mother's father was in the bowling business as well. And he loved technology. That's where I, that's where I fell in love with technology. He had, you know, he had a laserdisc player in like 1979. He had a beta max. He had all these video game systems at home. He had like Atari 2600 and in television. And, and then, so he put video games in his bowling center. And when my dad opened his bowling center, you know, I made him copy that, and so what I. What
0: games were there?
1: Uh, well, it was just every classic, you know, Galaga, Pac Man, Defender, Galaga, Tron, Robotron. Um, I have a Galaga Donkey machine, Jr. the original in my. Basement. Oh, you have the original? Oh, yeah. yeah. If you ever come to our house? We put an arcade in in our house, and we I just got two. I have oh. two multi cades, like one's all nineties and one's all eighties. Come on! And there are fucking games, and they're like Japanese versions of game game. Dragons right? Lair, Dragons Layers. Well, Dragons Lair is not. I, I think the I think it's the, it, the chip is in there, but I mean I think the program is in. And if you're, by the way, when you open the the cabinet now, it's like the electronics are the size of a of a pea. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's just a big empty cabinet. But I don't think we have. Uh, I don't think I have Dragon's Lair. No, because because it, it runs off a different. That was a that was basically a CD-ROM game, and uh, That's as right. opposed to like the and then Space Cadet the 8-bit games, Space Ace, Space Ace. Uh, Ace. Uh, yeah, thank you. Of which. I collect animation cells and I have cells from Dragon's Lair and Space. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You really do? I really do. How
0: Yeah, will that was I Don Bluth. The
1: man was a. Um Master, wow, yeah.
0: So you really, you really nerded out as a kid. You really, it wasn't. You know, nerd is cool now. And I was a nerd, but a different way. I watched horror movies, and I I was locked in my room, and I played ColecoVision, the Smurf game, and all that shit. You know, I was,
1: I wasn't really, but I, 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 I sort of played sports a little bit.
0: Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't like sports at all.
1: No, I mean, unless you count bowling as a sport. Bowling's a sport. Well, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's, it's, so it's so going through like
0: school and everything, so you were just kinda you had your few people that you kinda hung out with. Yeah. Who were these guys?
1: Who were this little, who was this little circle? What what did they do? They were all just I'm sure you remember the movie Revenge of the Nerds. Of course. It was very accurate to the extent that Gilbert all, was your friend? <laughs> Lewis? All these people who were not really a part of any other community were sort of shoved in this house together. And that was kind of my group of friends. It was it was a it was a small and in a pre-internet era, it was you know it was maybe like three people, three or four people. But but there wasn't really a, a type of person. It was just we were just sort of in the nerdy reject bin socially. Were you picked on? Of course. But you know, oddly, I wouldn't trade any of that experience because I think when kids are popular young, they peak early and they fail to develop. Any meaningful internal monologue because everything comes very easily to them, so they they don't really learn how to be introspective because they don't have to be. And so I'm not sorry that I mean I never got the I never got beaten within an inch of my life. So if that had been the case, then I probably would not be super keen on the whole situation. Right. But I was really you know I was happy you know I mean I know I always wished oh why can't I be popular? But I also I had the same thing that I assume you had, which is that sort of comedy defense mechanism. I could be louder than anyone in a room. Right. And I could... Have a comeback. I could come, I could roast kids. Right. But, you know, but without... I mean, I I've also, I couldn't fight. So it wasn't a smart thing. She to had a do smart always. mouth, and everybody would laugh. And all
0: of a sudden, like, now what do I do? Yeah, I'm exactly, exactly. So it was always yeah. finding
1: what that line was between how smarmy can I be to defend myself without getting uh my face smeared across the pavement but but in general like i'm not i'm not sorry at all that i was you know relegated to the dark corners of the of the math but it seems
0: like you had like almost like a vision like at at my age at 12 years old in indiana newberg indiana growing up i I had no clue what I was going to do. I had no, was I going to work at Wesselman's Grocery Store? Was I going to work at Sunoco <laughs> pumping Gas? It seems to me
1: Wesselman's, like. Wesselman's Grocery Store. Grocery Store. I almost oh. got
0: fired for stealing uh, frozen bar, Butterfinger. But, well, they weren't frozen, but I, I went in the freezer and I put them in there, these little mini, mini Butterfinger bars. Yep. And I remember Chuck, you know, I would say. Uh, Fucking Chuck. Michael Rosenbaum, please come up to the front desk, please. How did Chuck find out about that? Well, um, Teresa said something. And I love Teresa, but Teresa uh, worked Were here, there right?
1: cameras? No, was... no back then. But... So
0: you almost got away with it. Well, I would have, but, you know, and, and, and I love Teresa. And then all of a sudden I just said, you know, uh, well, what happened was Chuck, I came up to there and he said, he said, hey, uh, what were you doing in the freezer? I go, what do you mean? What were you doing in the back freezer? I go, nothing. You weren't uh, eating frozen Butterfinger bars? I go. That, so that sounds, was your first
1: mistake. The that's... answer that you always give is masturbating because then no one asks a, qu- a follow up question. I didn't think about that. What Adiba, were you doing in the freezer? Masturbating. Old. Oh, um, uh, well. Uh, hey, <laughs> go back to work. Carry I don't on. want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ultimately, he just gave me an ultimate. And he said, "I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you eat frozen Butterfinger bars?" I mean, this is the last time. I go, "Yes, I ate the shit out of them." I was back there. I was grubbing Did down. Did he fire you? No. He said, "Get back to work." If I ever hear about this again, I remember stocking shells next to Teresa, and she looked at me, and mm-hmm, I think she wanted a raise. I think she wanted to be a manager. <laughs> and so she, she was, just she was trying to rat she you out. She didn't like me. She ratted me out. She
1: ratted you out. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, well, I think it worked in your favor because it...
0: I didn't end up working there you for didn't, the rest of my y- life. You,
1: you got to come out and, you know, be Lex Luthor. So. Well, it closed down. There's a really good pillow mountain happening on this couch over here. Right, I'm, do you like the pillows? I'm very... You know, there's a lot of different textures. There's a lot of different uh, pillow density. I, I mean, a, it's, yeah. it's... it's, it it's could, a really,
0: The cushions sh- could be redone. They're a little uh, loose.
1: I'm a pillow guy. Like, I sleep... My wife's really funny because if she's doesn't... If she doesn't want something, she just hurls it as far away from her as possible. So if there's, like, a pillow in her way, she'll just chuck it across. And I'm like, no, give me that. Like, I'll just build, like, a weird little crevice of pillows. Do you like to be touched while you're sleeping? Uh, Yeah, but I just – I can't – Uh, well – Are mean, you the I, cuddler or you know do you get cuddled? Let me, let me just <laughs> – let's back up there. Do I like to be touched while I'm sleeping? There's a <laughs> lot, There are a lot of ifs. <laughs> around that question oh. uh is do i know the person i mean i know no no what i meant was <laughs> when, you, into my when, house, when you've had it you've watched your whatever up with just a, a wiener just like just <laughs> right across the bridge of my nose no but uh, uh i i don't mind being touched i like cut spooning but i like being spooned too i also like the reverse spoons where you're both facing the other way but your your backs are touching because then you're like touching because i'm so oh. i'm so worried you know like my wife can just like lie in one position all night and I'm very fidgety all night. So I try not to spoon too much because if I'll move around too much and wake her up, are you not a good sleeper? No, I'm a terrible
0: sleeper. Me neither. But how uh, this becomes therapy. It always becomes therapy for me, Chris, because listen, I'm more, I don't sleep well and I try to, I'm doing a lot of stuff and I look at you who's doing way too much stuff. And if you don't sleep, how are you getting by? um you know xanax it, <laughs> no ambient nothing you don't
1: do anything you just are fidgety you don't take any drugs to go to sleep no you don't take nothing Melatonin. i take a melatonin does it work obviously it doesn't yeah well it works melatonin makes me sleep for like four hours four and a half hours or so and then uh how are you in a goddamn good mood all the time <laughs> how
0: do well... you not flip out well, I was flipping out a minute ago. I I what were we flipping out about? There's a hole in the ceiling and water was dripping out of it. I you know and the guy was like, oh, "Well, this is where the leak is." And he just I just I don't know. I was I didn't flip out. Rob, did I flip out?
1: Not to him. You were little, <laughs> you were a little angry. That's
0: Rob. That's my engineer.
1: Yeah. No, but I flip out over I flip out over dumb things. Give
0: like, me an example of what Chris Hardwick flips out at.
1: Um, I misplaced something. And all of a sudden, even though I hadn't needed it in that moment, it became the most important thing in the world to find. Were you just mad at yourself? Is that I what was, it was mad at myself and mad at the situation. And and Lydia kept saying, "Well, did you leave in the car? No, it, I would have checked there." Well, like, stop got, yelling at me about this. I got so frustrated that I didn't know where this thing was. Turned out, it was in the car. She was right. Uh, <laughs> wow. But I think it is very part of the package of. Folks who are recovering alcoholics or recovering addicts do tend to obsess over non-essential things Yeah, from time to time. So you, would you
0: consel- consider yourself – you were a real alcoholic? Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I you, you talk oh, yeah. about this – so uh, w- when, what age did you start drinking?
1: It was pretty much through my 20s. I didn't drink in high school. It would have
0: uh, helped the beatings.
1: Probably would have would have ruined the chess game though. Yeah, the chess game. Yeah, the bowling um, game. But uh might have helped bowling. <laughs> but uh, but I yeah it wasn't really. till I was like nineteen or twenty. I started drinking, and then it just slowly degenerated into just became an all the time thing. And then you know by the time I was thirty one, it was bad. I mean I was I, I and I knew, but I knew it was bad. I knew. I mean, well, like, did it give you confidence? Is that why you drank? You know, it just it just became a coping mechanism because if you if you have a very active internal monologue and you have an obsessive personality. it's very alluring to dampen those things and to silence the monologue and to numb yourself from any feelings, really, from not having to take responsibility for really happy feelings or really sad feelings. It just sort of, you know, just sort of staying in the middle and numbing any experiences. And so when you first quit, it doesn't solve all your problems, but it just sort of, it gets the thing out of the way so you can start discovering who am i what do how what how do i react to things because you you when you drink for a long time you spend so much time avoiding reality that you actually don't entirely know how you deal with reality until it's not there and then you have to learn how to do that did you not like yourself no uh, no
0: of course not is that i mean because i would think that that's you know, you were afraid of failure. weren't happy with what you were doing. Even if you had success, you didn't think it was as successful as it should be. You're insatiable, and the drinking sort of escalated. Is that sure,
1: sure, so- sure? And I'm sure some of it also had to do with not feeling like I fit in, and you know, and and even as cavalier as I can be about like, oh, I didn't mind being shoved in the corner by the. Re-. I mean, there there is there is there are psychological effects to other kids shitting on you pretty regularly. That it just. I believe that you, and maybe science believes this, I don't know, but you develop this picture of yourself in your head right around the time you hit puberty. So whatever's going on when you're hitting puberty, I think is kind of the identity that is your fallback identity. So a lot of- and well, until you start trying to figure it out you know if you if you just let it go then yeah because i have been figure, trying to figure it out too
0: well yeah i, I be, still have that image of that little fucking kid that, that, that kid who's stealing butterfingers himself who's stealing butterfingers who's getting his, yeah
1: and so when you react to things and you st- take a step back and go well that's weird my reaction to that didn't really match what that situation was And you start digging around, you go, oh, okay, well, that's probably because I felt this way when I was, you know, 13 or whatever it was. I mean, you always think of, you know, a lot of us too, a lot of us in this business, which it's ironic that this business attracts insecure types and then exploits and preys on every insecurity. And so, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to sort through that but when you go back and look at it you go oh, yeah that's you know there was stuff going on when i was a kid and i i still feel like i'm a kid but you know we have to at a certain point go that's not the situation i'm i am an adult these are the things that i've done it's okay
0: it's a lot of therapy I go to therapy. Tons, yeah. Right, and I'm still working on that. I'm still working. Why am I so damn hard on myself all the time? Why is everything such a big deal? Why can't it be, hey, go, just have fun? What happened to the old days when you can just go do something and just have fun and not think of like, if I fail, uh, th- the worst thing's going to happen to me. And I still have those thoughts sometimes, and it it drives me, but it drives me fucking crazy.
1: I mean, even doing what we do is, is kind of a weird thing, you know, like to be performers and it's dichotomous in a way because on the one hand you will you say oh i have something important enough to say then everyone should listen to it i'm a performer you know right. but on the other side you go i'm a piece of shit <laughs> why would yeah. i think i have anything to say and so uh you know it's just constantly you define for whatever reason what you think you deserve in life and then you will either Bolster yourself or beat yourself down to sort of hit that – whatever that comfort zone is. The interesting thing about it is the comfort zone is really defined by you, but a lot of times you feel like you're defined by it. Does that make any sense? A 100%. Even though you really do have more control over it than you think you do. You have a really good therapist (laughs) and you've really worked on yourself. Do you
0: still – like when we were joking around and I I think we were rolling whatever. We are talking about at midnight. And you're like, you know, you know, people still say it got canceled, and I'm like, well, you, you know, you, you, I did 600 episodes. Yeah. Do you still think of yourself as a failure when something fails, which is like, no. seems
1: ridiculous to other people who look at you with so much uh, admiration. No, not, and not, not in the At Midnight case. I really do feel like we succeeded. We did 600 episodes. We put stand-up comedians on television. Which there's not a lot of stand-up on television, and as a comic, that's very important to me to put more stand-ups on television and a lot of comics were able to use the show to help their ticket sales on the road like that makes me so happy yeah. and the show won 2 Emmys like i maybe like 10 years ago me would have been like oh but but i really feel like hey i don't know what else i could have achieved with that show like we you know yeah. other than doing it for 10 more years but it is it was a tremendously um it, it the show took an enormous amount of energy and when i was sort of at my when I was doing everything at once, you know, I we were do I was posting three podcasts a week, which meant recording five or six podcasts a week, and doing at midnight, and doing Nerdist the company, and doing the, the AMC stuff, and you know, like I was doing everything at once, and and I kind of had to start going, oh yeah, you can't do that because your brain will just give out at a certain point. Do you ever turn to your wife Lydia and
0: say? I can't fucking do this anymore. (laughs)
1: Honestly, honestly, has that been said? I mean, I I have said things like, I don't know how I'm going to... No, have you ever said,
0: I fucking can't do this? I am so tired right now. The melatonin didn't work
1: last night. You're back. uh, I'm I'm sure I've said a version of that. I'm sure I've said a version. I can't fucking, you know, especially if I've had to... I did a thing where I finished at midnight, got on a plane, flew to New York, and then went right to the abc studios to host live with kelly <laughs> like and and that kind of stuff i go uh, but but what was i gonna not do it like it just was a fun thing to do so i do you like drink I, a lot of coffee in the morning no i can't drink coffee why it makes me sweat and i get really nauseous and i get really bad anxiety attacks it makes me feel like my heart's ripping through my chest i i would love to be able to drink coffee. so what do you drink nothing I, I was drinking chai lattes until yesterday but i, I gotta quit those now so no caffeine no no caffeine. Well, Who the fuck are
0: you, Chris Hardwick? <laughs> you're taking a melatonin. You're not sleeping. I want to drink an,
1: coffee. It looks so but, cool. But you can't.
0: You get anxiety. What, what kind? What is an anxiety attack to you? What happens to Chris Hardwick when he has an anxiety attack? Well, there, there, are, there are a couple types. Because so, I have had them, and I didn't know I was having them. I thought I was having a heart attack.
1: Yeah, I, I, I described an old stand-up bit about it where I said. Um, if you've never had an anxiety attack, uh, imagine being fucked in the heart, <laughs> Just what it feels like. It just feels like someone's mounted your chest and just jamming a, 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 an or, a something into your aorta. But um, someone described very succinctly that anxiety is all future questions and depression is all past questions. Wow. So anxiety is more like what if, what if, I, what if I, what if I, what if I everything fails? What if I fail? What if I suck? Depression is i'm never i didn't why did i you know and if you have both of those you're fucked (laughs) well unless you get help yeah you should definitely you should definitely get help but it but but it's very normal i feel like especially now especially now it's normal because everyone's so overloaded with stimuli between internet and media and everything else and having to be connected all the time i don't think i think we're shorting our own brains we're just shorting out i was on i was on this show that lasted two years and see, it didn't last
0: 600 episodes. It lasted 20, <laughs> two seasons of a show called Impastor. And I remember being on set, and I was doing push-ups, and I was running, and I was in, a, in this priest garb. And all of a sudden, I was talking to the other actor. My hands are tingling, and I'm lightheaded, and I'm going to pass out. And I feel like, oh, my god, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then I just I, I had explosive diarrhea, too much information. And then the doctor yeah. came on set, and I go, what's wrong with me? Well, I'm checking everything, and you're fine. Michael, have you ever had an anxiety attack? And him saying that, I go, uh, I'm not crazy. What do you mean? What do you say? Like, cra- like, And I realized, shit, I almost wish he didn't tell me I was having an anxiety attack <laughs> because now that he said that, and I covered it. I didn't let anybody know. I would just take deep breaths. I'd go in my trailer. I would take a quarter of a Xanax if I had to. I just got overwhelmed with shit.
1: Yeah, deep breaths and- are good because if you, it is a physiological response, and so you cannot s- – you can only focus on one thing. Your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. Even though you think you're multitasking, you can only focus on one thing at a time. You cannot be simultaneously anxious and relaxed at the same time. So if you if you slow your heart rate down, if you can focus on slowing your heart rate down, it will help diminish your anxiety. Because there are certainly psychological ways that you can talk yourself down from it, but it is a physiological response. And you know, I think my first one was in – I think I was 19 the first time I ever had one, or maybe younger – and I didn't – I had no idea what it was too. It was the same thing where I just – your body is telling you to run but you don't know where to – you just feel like a, a barnyard chicken. You don't know what the fuck to – so I just didn't know what it was. And it, and I had it for months before someone goes, oh, that's uh, – this was – you know this was pre-internet. So, uh, so it goes, oh, it's a, a, a panic attack. You're just having anxiety. I'm like, what, what, what? And they explained it all. I was like, oh, my God, that's a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. But when did you finally get rid of it? Well, I mean – I mean it kind of – stays with you it comes out of it nowhere it does right? It does. but now i know what it is and it's very tricky because anxiety symptoms mimic a lot of other symptoms if you look up symptoms that anxiety can mimic it's literally the symptoms for everything it you, tightness of chest uh shortness of breath You're getting an anxiety um, attack thinking about this diarrhea blurred vision head fog. like it. it can mimic so many different things but now, you know, when it's coming, I go, okay, I know what this is, and I sort of take a deep breath, and I can, you know, I and you can just get rid away. of it
0: immediately. You just let take your mind away for from the there. most part. Have yeah. you ever
1: had it while you're performing, like some kind of anxiety? Well, no, I, I, no, I, for some reason, performing to me, and maybe it's the adrenaline, or I, mean, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's not the adrenaline. I don't know what it is. But if I were having a full blown anxiety attack and I had to go do stand up, I'd be fine. Like I would just go out, and once I got on stage, I'd be fine. It's funny to be. To feel sort of socially awkward one on one, but I could do stand up for a hundred thousand people and I would feel fine. But one on one at parties, I'm like, "Hey, how are you?" <laughs> like I get weird. I mean, do do you feel that way? Sure, because I you know when I meet you at parties or
0: you know at the you know James Gunn's white elephant party or right, right, you know right. the you're so nice, but you, you you don't really like being at these things.
1: Well, J- that's a different story because I know most of the people at James. It's a thing. little
0: bit more of a safer environment. Yeah, exactly. Right? But if
1: I'm if I'm at uh, if we go to a, Premier. a, a premiere or an event or something and there's other people around, I, we're doing what I assume everyone is doing, which is standing there going, I don't know the fuck to say yeah, like I don't know uh, what to yeah, – yeah. I just feel so
0: out of place. I, I, I feel the same way. I, I always feel like I don't belong. I pretend that I belong.
1: But what you find is that uh, most people 100% feel that way. And so then it, it really takes the, a little bit of the edge off. I mean I've had, I've had people on the podcast – that has shocked me that they've gone. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, I didn't. I thought I was an imposter. I thought someone was gonna like Paul McCartney said. Oh, it was only until a couple of years ago that oh, it was good. Uh, that uh, he thought someone was gonna tap him on the shoulder and be like, "You're an imposter." And I'm like, "Come on!" I I absolutely understand that. And it it really affects everyone. So when you realize how common it is, then you can. Weirdly, find community and commonality in not feeling like you fit in because you know, like, that's that most people do feel that way, and especially the the sort of senior events around Los Angeles just to me just feel like this. Ah! Like, I think yeah. everyone's just doing that, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just doing that. It's
0: nice to know that to think that everybody else is not as comfortable as you think they are,
1: of course. I mean, there are a few people that I think are just, yeah, they're just together people, but for the most part. I think most people, even when you see them strutting down a red carpet, you know, there's a good chance that inside they're doing. <laughs> I hate this right <laughs> L- before they do the duck lips. Like, yeah, exactly. Aah! Yeah,
0: you know, what the, is du- that? the
1: duck lips are uh, the faces' way of making a defensive posture because mm, you're you, you, you're not comfortable.
0: Yeah. When will the duck lips go away for good? I don't know. Why does anyone think that duck lips are attractive? Why would anyone think this?
1: I don't know is sexy. But if I, but I don't know. And, I don't. And another that. thing that I think that needs to stop happening is don't take mirror selfies, making a kissy face and a peace sign. Please don't do that I'm anymore. Out. Not you. I just mean no. In I mean as, no, as I as didn't mean culture. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't do oh, it anymore. Fine, Christ. fine. Yeah, it just. Uh, I don't know. When I see that, I just think like. Oh, there was you had nothing else going on, In right. your, in your Just, head, that's what you had to do. That's what you had. All right, yeah.
0: so I'm gonna go. I want to go back because uh, you know when you were younger, again, you were thinking, "I love stand up comedy, I like all these weird things." We're gonna go back to that because you eventually came, became your own entity. You became. There's no, no one really like Chris Hardwick, which is an amazing thing to <laughs> well, achieve but, inadvertently.
1: I don't know about that, but I, but I, but I think my, I think it was only because of intense rejection by the established entertainment industry that I, that I felt like, uh, you know, Oh, well, fuck you. I'll just make my own thing.
0: You know, like what that, was the first thing you, you sort of did that you remember? Hey, I'm going to, you
1: know, cause it, what age did you get up and go? Um, when I was in college, I got this weird fluke audition. I didn't have an agent or anything at a time. I, I was a contestant on a game show in college and then, about a year later, they tried to recycle. They'll recite, like networks recycle contestant pools. Like, oh, you were a good contestant on this show, let's put you on. And uh, and I didn't want to be a contestant on a game show again, but...
0: It wasn't remote control, was it?
1: It was. Oh, I wish it had been remote God, control. wasn't that the best? Oh, my God. Remote
0: control continues.
1: <laughs> Colin Ken Quinn. Ken Ober, yeah. I know. Ken Ober sadly passed away a handful oh, of years ago. Oh, man, that was sad. But um, but uh, remote control was you know the definitive game show when I was when I was growing up. But, it was. But, uh, yeah, and so I said, well, I don't want to really be a contestant. And they said, you know, there, I know a guy. He's casting this show for MTV you're funny, you should just go, I'll connect you guys. And so I auditioned for a show for MTV called Trashed, which was MTV's uh, attempt to remake remote control. It And what year was this? 93. I auditioned in 93 and the show started in 94. And that was it. I, I didn't have an agent or anything. I just, I got the job. The show, we did 50 episodes. They canceled it after a couple months, but they plucked me out of the show and made me a VJ and then put me on Singled Out and by the way, I was
0: going through that too in '95 when I moved to New York. Uh, I got a pilot for MTV. It was with like with Leslie Bibb and Jackson Brown's son, and we did this pilot. And it didn't. It, it was called Working Stiff, but it didn't get picked up. And then they asked me to do my own show. And Kent Alterman, who runs Comedy oh, Central, yeah. ended up producing it with Louis Thoreau, who did TV Nation. Or That's something. crazy. And then that didn't get picked up, and it tested well, but that didn't get picked up. Then they offered me to be a VJ, and I was like, ah, I, I, but I, I've always, I went to college for an. I'm an actor. I don't. And it was so hard because they were offering me money, which wasn't a lot of money. MTV never really paid anything.
1: No, at least for me. Yeah, it was not it was not a lot of money. At least compared to the I mean it was a it was a good job compared to what you were making. Because yes. I yeah, I was broke. It's a good job if you so were a Five thousand dollars was a lot. But 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 by entertainment standards, but you're very lucky that you did not do that because at the time, television was very compartmentalized. And so it was very difficult to work after MTV because the rest of the business was like, yeah, they're VJs. It's very similar, you know, what's happening with the internet now is very similar to what happened with cable before where people go, oh, they're, oh, they're an internet kid. They're, they don't, you know. Yeah. I'm like, well, don't discount them. They got an audience. They know what, you know, they're doing something right. Yeah. And so, uh, but at the time, if you had been a VJ, it, would have been, it probably would have been tough for you to go on and do, yeah. do it. There were only really a couple of people that, for acting, I mean, there were only a couple of people who actually went on to do acting.
0: Yeah, I would have done like 80s on 8 with Nina Blackwood right after Nina, Nina Blackwood, Blackwood. Went on. <laughs> Nina Blackwood. Oh, my God. Didn't she date that guy who sang? Um, not Corey Hart, the other guy. Which one? Yeah, I think she dated Corey Hart. She dated Hart. Corey Hart? I think she banged Corey Hart. Well, he wears sunglasses at night. And she was Nina Blackwood. She was uh, Nina Blackwood. And it's nighttime and he's got sunglasses By on. the way, you do a lot of impressions, don't you? Listen, because you you whipped out one a few minutes ago, and I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I always like to, they always say, I do a couple weird ones. Anthony Hopkins always said, you know, I'm not going to do an impression of Anthony Hopkins, but he always
1: said that every actor should have at least one impression or every good actor. Well, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't think I really have a good one, but, uh, but if you're a fan of Kids in the Hall, I can do a little bit of Kevin McDonald. That's great, hey, everybody. That's great. There's a cat on my head. <laughs> uh, but I don't That's know. Good. But That's good. It's obscure. Yeah, it is. For you know, not if you're not a comedy me. nerd. Right. But uh, but I, but I, I don't know if I really do any other impressions.
0: Oh, I saw you're a big Rodney Dangerfield fan. I mean, I, I always do Rodney Dangerfield. Of course. Yeah, oh my god, huge! Can you, I can't, I can't do Rodney. Nah, I'm not
1: going to do everyone it. Everyone, ha- most people had. I a- tell you, Chris, what
0: a joy it is having you on the show. You're amazing. You do it all. The wall, huh? That's fantastic. I'll tell you, six hundred episodes. Six hundred episodes. I couldn't last six hundred seconds
1: on the show. I tell you, They all get canceled. That's a very impressive Dangerfield. Like that's not even just because everyone. A lot of people have a characterization of Dangerfield, but that's legitimate. You have the legitimate tonal quality of Dangerfield. Thank you. That's really I, I never left the house. I
0: was always trapped up in, in my bedroom dubbing movies, as I've talked about. Uh, you know, uh,
1: stealing butterfingers and masturbating. stealing butterfingers,
0: and masturbating, making into a, a, sock. a an actual butterfinger, and doing Rodney Dangerfield impression. That was it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey Wang, it's a parking lot. <laughs> Sorry, that's from Caddyshack. Caddy Anybody? Any? You know. Anyway. Um, so okay. So you you do this show Trashed that gets canceled. Then I do singled out. Which people just love. That goes great. That, that
1: makes you a star. That Well, sort of. Uh, it made Jenny a star, for sure. And I think it just... Did you ever hook up with her? No. No, 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 no. We were just friends. What do you mean, no, like you would have? I just wasn't attracted to her in that way, and she did right. not that, feel that way about me. We started that show together, and we had a very sibling-like relationship. Sure. We're pals. Like, we yeah. just... I don't know how to describe it, but there was no... There was a good chemistry between us, but I don't feel like any of the energy was sexual in any way. And I, and that's very hard for some people to understand. They go, Oh, come on. You say you I oh, I can't believe you wouldn't, you know, wow, come on, I would have been. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't have been. And but oh. we were just friends, you know. And I had a girlfriend the whole time during the show. i Who was your girlfriend then? Jacinda. Oh, yeah, it was Jacinda. Yeah. Of course you didn't hit on her because she had hot Jacinda. <laughs> well, but I but I also a serial monogamist. Yeah. I mean, I I you know I would go through periods of of dating, but I was not a good dater. I didn't, it felt very very weird to me that you could go out with someone and then the next night be like, now I'm with you. Like I was never any good. I, I just never felt good. I was never good. At, well, I, I come from a dysfunctional
0: that. family. My sister's married four times. My mom's married three times. So I was just like, I've never had, I've, I've tried to through therapy. So I have relationships. I'll have a three year, I'll have a year and a half. I'll I'll try. Now I stay in relationships longer than I probably should. Sure. Because I'm trying to prove to myself that, you know, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's tough. I, I just, I don't want to make the same mistakes, but I'm getting old now. I'm 45. So I should probably. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, but you finally got married. I did get married. You're married. I wasn't, sure, I'd ever, I I wasn't sure I would ever get married. Why? You're a nice guy. You're smart. You're a serial monogamist.
1: Because I never really thought like, oh, I am I need to have kids and I want to – Do you want get, kids? I mean I do now. I didn't ever. And then Lydia, when we were dating, you know, and she said, oh, you know, I kids are really important to me. When I get married, you know, someday I really want kids. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I never – I didn't recoil at the idea, and uh, which I know sounds weird. But I, but I was always I, – I always just thought, oh, no, I don't want to
0: raise a child and bring a kid into this world. Did you think you were going to be like 60-year-old Chris Hardwick hosting shows, doing all these things and not being with someone or just always just dating someone years at a time? I don't
1: know. I don't know what I thought. I, I You know, like I, I'm – Was this
0: a surprise? This was a, a surprise. How how'd
1: you meet her? We had a mutual friend and she came to a taping of Talking Dead, but – we were both in other relationships at the time and my dad had just died literally the day before. And so I wasn't really not there. I mean, like I did the show. so I felt like it was important to, to go to work. And, uh, so we met briefly and then like nine months later we were, and we were both in other relationships and nine months later, our same mutual friend said, "Oh, you should go out with Lydia Hurst." He's Australian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello, 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 hey, Ray. hi there. Is those Australians? Those right. few Australians
0: listening, going, "Those yeah. fucks." Oh no, that's not how we talk. That's pretty good, man. That's not bad. See, I can't do that. I have a tough time, unless I say Melbourne, 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 if I could just say
1: that word over and over, am I right? Oh yeah, it's all in the back of the. It's all like yeah, all all yeah. like in the back of the throat, deck, right. back down in there. Yeah. But the Kiwi one's really hard to do. You can do that, too? Not well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just go, Brit, <laughs> just just to the concords. Were you Were you immediately
0: attracted to her? You said, this is a gorgeous girl. She's... Uh...
1: Well, we went out. So we, we went out and... Bowling? Did you go bowling? We didn't go bowling. Ooh. We just went to dinner, and our, and she... This was the... It was the most amazing first date I've ever had. And it's, and it's going to sound very macabre, but mm. her dad passed away a month after mine. My dad dropped out of a heart attack. Her dad had a long bout with cancer. So they both had were totally different situations. And our entire first date was talking about your dad, our dead fathers, and the whole process and everything. And it was so was it emotional? It was special. Like I don't. It it just there was we just like got right into it. There was no like so what. What do you real, like? No bullshit. And just write another we just, real stuff. It was yeah, and it was great. And we had dinner, and then we went and got ice cream. And, uh, and you, did you go bowling after? That? We didn't go bowling after that. It was actually there was a. <laughs> you had
0: to impress her at some time with your
1: hook. There was an. A, I know. I'm someday. What, uh, you haven't yet. I don't think we've gone bowling That's ridiculous. together. Ridiculous. But we. Uh, I'm not fun to bowl with though, because I just bowl take it you. so
0: seriously. I'll bowl with you. I take it too seriously. Okay, we'll go. I'll bowl at 140.
1: But we had gone downtown for our date. And we were leaving downtown, and there was a there was a, a, a checkpoint, like an alcohol checkpoint, because it was a Saturday night or something. And I was so personally offended that they were even asking, because I'd been sober for so long. But, of course, the cop doesn't know. He was like, what do you have you had to drink tonight? Alcohol? What What do you? None. What do you mean? I don't drink. I haven't had a drink since, you know, since 2003. Get out of the car, Mr. Hardwick. Yeah, like, the more in defensive I got, the you know, and Lydia was laughing the whole time, because I just sounded so guilty like i october 8th 2003 (laughs) i have not you know and uh and so and she saw that side of me and still was like yeah i want to go out with this guy again so yeah that's how we did you go home that
0: night you ever get that feeling like please god just the second date be half as good as the first
1: well it was interesting because we had a a lot of stopping and starting why because she was work my schedule sucked and her schedule sucked she was working back to back to back she was doing a bunch of movies back to back to back to back and we had a difficult time setting up the second date and we did and then the third date i thought she was blowing me off because we would schedule the date and then a day before oh i am i gotta work i can't meet up okay or the day of oh i'm so sorry Uh. i get a text and so this happened like four or five times or do you play are you the guy who plays a cool guy no problem or do you go like Really? No, I am totally no problem guy. Right. I am I am way low pressure guy. Yeah. Because my feeling is like, well, if someone's not into me, they don't have well, to pressure them into me, I, right? But after like five times, I finally, and then there was a period where I just didn't hear back from her for like a week, and and from her side of it, she was like, I was really busy. She said I was I was someplace where my phone didn't work, and I was like, okay. So I I sent her a very long. But in my mind, a very respectful text where I just said, look, I really like you. It seems like this is very difficult for us to get together. I understand you're busy. I am also very busy. And I'm still making time to see you. Listen, if you don't want to do this, that is completely fine. But I'm starting to feel like I'm chasing you and I don't like that feeling. And so, um, so I'm just going to bow out. And this is what I think you actually want. You wrote this before the third date. Yes. Well, because it was literally like four, five, six, I think five, six times. It's Just an honest, sincere. It was very sincere, very honest. Yeah. Just to say like, I feel like I'm, you don't want this because my feeling is people do what they want to do. Right. When someone says to you like, I'm too busy, maybe once or twice, but if they say it a lot, people will make time for whatever is important to them in my mind. Like when I was in college, I was broke, but I always found money for beer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was broke, but you somehow find a way. I always found a way, right, 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 because that's what was important to me at the time. So I felt like I was letting her off the hook and bowing out of this thing gracefully. Uh, and I said, "Listen, I, you know, I have all the respect for you. I like you." No hard feelings, but this seems to be the writing on the wall. And I now, and yeah, by about. the way,
0: I just cut you off real quick. Please, most people in LA, most girls will go, "Oh my god, look at this crazy guy! He wrote this full email before we even went on our third date." And I was, like, but you, obviously, but see, I have done that before. I like someone. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to. I'm busy too, and I want to see you. And I really respect that. But then you know, a lot. I'm of I'm an over
1: explainer, but also because we had had, you know, such it, an intimate. So like, we had such an intimate first date. Uh, and it was and it was really sweet. Like we we had like a really nice goodnight kiss, and then I left, and it was really nice. Yeah. But I also am an over explainer, and I also wanted to say like I don't blame you. It's okay. You don't you know. But I I just don't want to keep chasing. But you kind of want to know. You want to know by a, you want one reaction that says she's still in or she's not. I Something. actually I actually was bowing out. It was not, I was not really you were bowing I out I did not do it as a move. Okay. It, I was being very honest. And so I was bowing out because I felt like that's what was important to her. I didn't hear back from her. What? So I was like, okay, well, so then I guess I wasn't wrong. And maybe I don't know, a month later or three weeks oh, or three wrong. weeks or a month later, I get a text from her, a long text from her. Um, look. I really did like you. I really do like you. I really was working. I really was busy. Um, You know, I had gotten you, uh, I just moved into a house at the time. She said, I had gotten you a housewarming present and it just arrived. And I still would like to give it to you. If you don't want to talk to me ever again, that's totally fine. But I feel like you should have this thing. And I wrote back immediately and I said, no, I really liked you too. I just was letting you off the hook. I just felt, you know, People who treat people shittily drives me nuts. You know, you date someone, yeah, fuck you. You didn't write me back. I hate that. It's like, you can be respectful. Someone doesn't have to like you. You can, you know, can your ego not survive if one person isn't into you? So I I took what I thought was, you know, a, a much better road. And it turned out she really was busy. We really did reconnect. Was the next date better than the first? The next date was great, but here's what happened. I, she was in New York, he punched li- a living cop in New York time. at the time. He I punched, punched a cop. So what the fuck? How hard fucking, hard fucking hard. dare you? Jesus. How dare you think I was drinking? I don't need to be drunk to fucking take a swing. Uh, <laughs> Your first swing in life. <laughs> ever. Oh, I wonder why that didn't go well. Uh, and so uh, she was living in New York. I have to be going to New York the next week. So I said, hey, I would love to go out with you next week. Do you still want to go out? And she said, absolutely. I would love to go out with you. So I, I go to New York the day of the date i'm getting ready to go on the date almost i get a call from her hi it's lydia listen given our track record i felt like it was really important and i, I start going here we go
0: this goes with she flake. goes
1: look i just want to give you the option of backing out of this date if you want to this is what happens when two people are trying to be so too nice oh my god so i want to give you the option of backing out of the date If you want to, I just got a phone call from Eli Roth. I'm going, I booked a series. I'm going, I'm moving to South Carolina in three days. And I just want to give you the option of not going on this date. I would understand. She said, I hope you still want to go on this date, but I understand if you don't want to go on the date. And I go, we're going, I absolutely want to go on this date. So we go on the date. It's fantastic. To make love. No, we did not make love. We we there's a little bit of making out. But we were riding in this Uber from the restaurant to her to her apartment. And I she just like I was holding her hand and she just put her head on my shoulder and I was like, Oh, here we go. Like I just I felt going
0: it. to South Carolina.
1: <laughs> I was like, Woo! I think this is happening. This is definitely and happening. And then you just started. It was such a sweet, romantic, simple moment. And so the best thing that happened was that she went to South Carolina because for the next six months, we actually had to get to know each other. We still had not slept together at this point. So the, it's the relationship was not that physical. We had to get to know each other as people, FaceTiming and talking on the phone. Do you think if you had sex texting,
0: before that night when she went through, do you think it could have been different?
1: Who knows? But the fact that we had to get to know each other first and then – around thanksgiving this was beginning of november maybe end of october beginning of november and then around thing and then thanksgiving was coming up and i said why don't you come to la and spend thanksgiving with me holy hell and she did and that was it we're you know what you're sounding we're sounding like our parents
0: this is how it used to happen you got to know someone before you effed
1: it was the best thing in the world or finger bead yes or in a bowling alley (laughs) finger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i always love the i always so love like i love the dirty word juxtaposed with the the clean version of that someone like look at those fucking gams like why would you say gams the same guy says fucking and gams uh but uh but i but yeah so i highly recommend it because i mean i'm not 22 so it's not like yeah you know like it was important to me to not I was fine not rushing into physical stuff. I didn't feel like I needed to do that. I just wanted to be with someone that I cared about, who yeah. was nice to me, and that and I if you could...
0: rush into it, I get all like nervous and stuff the first. But if you can really get to know someone, and you're like, "Hey, I'm already – then maybe it's not as you know what's invasive. dangerous. Well, it's what's
1: dangerous. dangerous for addict types? This and, is
0: dating with Chris Harmon. and anyone and anyone out
1: there who's an addict type is going to know what I'm talking about. There is one school of thought that says if you see someone. And you feel your heart sink into your stomach and you feel – you sort of feel that shortness of breath and your brain starts getting crazy. You turn around and leave because that person, that is lust and it is a type of addiction that makes you do crazy things. It makes you – And you believe this. 100%.
0: So if I walk into a room and I see someone that just is phenomenal and just glowing – like a young Nicole Kidman, <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> you can have away. a you can have a sexual relationship with that. You yeah, you, that you can work. have a sexual relationship, but there are certain types of people who try to turn those situations into relationships. And the problem with that is that when you are so consumed by the lust and the oh, oh my god, I just I just need to be so into this, and I need to be consumed by it. You're not really thinking clearly so you're not really getting to know the person. You're right. And so that was not an option with Lydia and I because we didn't we had to get to know each other over the phone. Right.
0: So But did you look at her when you first met her? You're obviously very attracted to her. You're obviously. Yes. But there wasn't that I got to turn around
1: thing. No, 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 it didn't I don't know how to I don't know how to say it any other way. It didn't feel unhealthy. It felt very that's, healthy. That's amazing. It felt like a healthy attraction. It helped, felt like a healthy relationship budding cuz you know when you when you're addicted to stuff you tend to crave the ups and the downs like the high highs and the low lows and sometimes you can mistake drama in a relationship for passion you know and it's like oh that's just drama and it's not healthy and you don't have to have it it took a long time and a lot of therapy and and going through different relationships to understand that you know, for me anyway, I can't. I'm not going to make a universal statement, but for me, a healthy relationship was a very. I think when I was younger, and I might have considered it boring because it was. It's because things weren't happening, right? You know, like it, we were just. We just were really kind to each other.
0: How long before? How long were you dating, getting to know each other before you asked her to marry you?
1: A year, almost a year. There, there's some conventional wisdom that says that part of the key to a successful relationship is kindness. I mean, if you can be kind to each other for an extended period of time. And the problem with those all-consuming relationships is that they're so, ah, you know, it's just so emotional up and down. Yeah. I can't be in that those. you can't really get. Your I don't like footing. fighting.
0: I won't fight. If you want to fight, I'm, I can't. Well, that's good. That's. I'm just not. I just. I don't want to, to fight. Not. I don't want to yell. I don't want to do any of that. That's good. I'd, I'd ra- honestly. I will look at someone and say I'm wrong, even if I know I'm not, just to fucking end this <laughs> conversation.
1: That's well, not the worst thing in the world to do, especially because you know there. No matter how right you are, you think you are. There's probably still a percentage of what you're doing that is probably wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. You know. You asked me to be on Talking Dead. It wasn't you. It was probably one of your producers. You probably never even knew. But I couldn't do it. And here's why. I, I did to say, By the way, because it, it, it's a great show. And you just really make that so interesting and fun. And it's because it's if you look at the basics, it's just a simple show talking about a successful show. Yeah. But I love what you do with it. I was nervous to come on. Really? I I, I felt like I think I missed it. I I, I felt like I didn't know enough. And I'd look like an idiot if I came on because I didn't know enough about the show. Well, I just had you- Emily Kinney on the show on here on the podcast and she was amazing oh she's great yeah Did she cried. she cried on your podcast on Well, your, on, your on the show Yeah, yeah yeah because okay. you know
1: it's like it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a great it's a wonderful emotional job to have and it sucks when you know and everyone knows that it's like ever you know a lot of people on the show die like they know that's a possibility right. and it's it's sad to it's sad to walk away from a, yeah. few, a few years of your life that were very emotional and very you know and they're they're all living together like a family in rural Georgia, and it's 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 a very unique experience. And um, but she's great, it, and
0: I, yeah. And I didn't do it because I I was like I'm going to sound like an idiot. I won't remember names. I won't remember the, you know. And I and I just was like oh my god, these people will hate me.
1: If you were worried about that, then I think you made the right move. Only because the only time the audience really gets cranky on Talking Dead is if they think the person sitting on the couch doesn't know is not stuff, a, do, do, is not a fan. And
0: I w- I was, but I was like you know what I do, I'm not. Even with Game of Thrones, and don't tell me what the fuck happens. Oh, I'm I'm behind. I'm behind three seasons on Game oh of Thrones. Oh my god. Oh yeah. But I I'd watch it and I'd know it and I would enjoy it. But I wasn't like they're the the, the hardcore fans who I love and appreciate, and they're just they're so they know everything. And I didn't want to go up and just say this guy's a fucking idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. He doesn't even. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You don't want. So I did the right thing. You don't want to. You don't want to uh, step in poop. With a with a, a passionate fandom. No. Because they, they, because they will
0: they will let you know. Now let me ask you this. Is it hard? I don't know if you've ever been asked this. You watched every episode. You have to watch every episode sure. of the show. You yeah. can't miss an episode. No. Every episode afterwards, you have to look as though you love the show. I mean, is it hard to not to say pretend because there's look, there's there's episodes I'm sure you're not crazy about. There's episodes. Is it hard to be so passionate and show so much when you're like, oh what is it is it difficult to keep that going?
1: I don't know if it's you know maybe it's because I'm so close to the show. Right. I'm close to the Walking Dead. Well I'm only a season behind them in term there was no Talking Dead for season one. Right. So we're going into season eight of Walking Dead, season seven for Talking Dead. I legitimately feel like it's part of my family. And even when there are things in the show that people don't like and they go, how could you say you're just stuck in the network's dick and they're just making you. (laughs) I'm like, first of all, the network has never, ever said anything to me about how I have to be on the show. There's never been an edict handed down. Sure. And they go, well, you're not critical of the show. Like, look at my body of work. Nerdist is very supportive and positive. Talking Dead is very supportive and positive. At midnight was very supportive and positive. It's just a different way of looking at things. Like I could shit on things. Not that you want to shit on things. I'm just saying, like, for instance, right, 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 right. people say Smallville, and I was
0: on 160 episodes. Would I say they were all good? No. If somebody asked me, I'm like, yeah, there was a freak of the weeks. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, it didn't. It, but, but I would also defend it and say, Do you know how hard it is to write TV, good TV, every of week? Of course, there are some episodes
1: out? that I think are better than other episodes, but I also feel like I'm there to sort of cheerlead for the fans and talk about what we love about the show. Exactly. And if you want, I feel like there is um, there is a deluge of negativity in our culture, and for some reason, a certain sector of you know hipster types only think that negativity is authentic, and that's just not true. That's right. that's not true. It's it's as real as you know you and I could look at this chessboard. And I could tell you 10 positive things about it and 10 negative things about it, and we'd probably both be right. I'm missing a pawn. That's one of them. (laughs) You are missing a pawn. Yeah, you got a bolt there. there. And
0: I shouldn't have made a move with the...
1: But I just sort of feel like I'm there to be a positive cheerleader for the show. It's called The Talking
0: Dead. You're supposed to be talking about the show and everyone who loves it and watches it. If they don't love the show, they won't be watching The Talking Dead. But again, but there are
1: so many places if people want like a teardown of the show, there are so many other places they can go to get that because there is no shortage in our culture of- Negativity. Of negativity and the um, actually guy and the, well, the thing about this is, or here's nine things that are wrong with, just like fuck all of it. Oh my God. I'm so- over the nine things that how do you are deal wrong. with that?
0: How do you deal with that? Because you probably at some point let it get to you a little bit, right?
1: Was there a point in your life where you were like letting certain things get to you? It still gets to me. Saying?
0: It still gets to. You. I mean,
1: when people, it just what gets to me is the level of entitlement that people have, and the lack and, of sensitivity, and, and or... the lack of sensitivity, and the self importance. Like, like entertainment is something more than entertainment. It's like it's not a political movement it's entertainment right you know and i understand fandom as much as anyone but i still don't feel like i need to go try to shut someone down because they don't like something or like something differently it's like but everyone just you know social media has conditioned us to believe and algorithms have conditioned us we've been kind of spoiled and so we think our opinions are universal so people speak when they speak their truth they kind of speak like it's the truth and not their truth. So they go, you need to stop this, or this needs to, or this show needs to, oh, I don't know why this show had to do this. It's like, right. well, you don't know because you haven't seen the whole series yet. When you see the entire series, then retrospectively you can go back and go, oh, they didn't need to do X, Y, or Z. But you still don't know what's happening. Even like on Game of Thrones, I don't know what's happening, but people go, oh, they didn't need to do this. It's like, But you don't know that yet because you haven't seen the whole series. Exactly. That could play out. You know, It's like, look at Breaking Bad. There are things that paid off, you know, seasons later than when they were first introduced. And at the time, you might go, "Well, you need to do that," and then later you go, "Oh my god, that was the greatest thing in the world!" If you had just fucking... But everyone, there's there's so much demands to put content up all the time, and
0: attention span, attention short, span, and we're all victim, we're all guilty of it. Yeah, and it's like, but I think it comes down to also, it's like when you're writing episode after episode and. So, you're not, it's nothing's going to be perfect. There's going to be things that don't exactly work out or an episode that
1: doesn't work or an actor that you don't like, or people just think that with whatever the, the the culture that we're in now is that a lot of people think that whatever small piece of information they have, and this isn't just entertainment, it's politics, the world, the environment, anything. Yeah. They see a headline and they think, Oh, I got this whole story. And not only do I got it, I'm going to have to weigh in on it. And it's like, first of all, you don't got the whole story because you see people on any topic talking you know reddit's notorious for this i love reddit but it's notorious for this it's notorious for like the fake expert of someone who's like well here's the thing about this and you start reading and go i don't think this person actually and if you dig a little deeper you might find like oh yeah they actually don't work in this field that they're referring to (laughs) you know it's just it's the dunning-kruger effect it's the fact that the less people know the more inclined they are to claim that they know more Right. And I don't know if it's a psychological protection or a survival mechanism or something, but but we are con- we are conditioned now to just see a snapshot of something and then think we have the entire picture. We know all the pieces that are in play. We know all the reasons why these things happen. And people go, "Well, yeah, this happened because of X, Y, or Z," and you go, "No, it didn't happen because for any of those reasons." And people will often assume the worst. Oh, this person probably did this because they're a fucking piece of shit. Right. Well maybe but it's also possible that there were factors in play that you weren't aware of that influenced how this thing played out you know i what i do now is i sort of like if you know cuz you
0: get that you see something and you want to just be like oh, this fucking more this piece is and you just and you if you just not send the tweet just sit back for a second and go let let your emotions settle how important settle. is this you should Let your never, emotions settle. That's it. You should never just
1: think about it for a second. Is it that important? You should never text or social media about not. I mean, there are important issues that, sure. of course, social issues that people should absolutely be rallying attention behind. But particularly with entertainment, I just feel like it's good if you're emotional, just take a beat, because it, it is, social media is becoming an extension of the emotional part of our brain where we're just not having a filter anymore to really process anything. It's just like we're reacting and putting it out there. And you might look at something you wrote last week and go, oh, I'm not even sure I feel that way anymore. Yeah. And it and it really is just sort of a snapshot of, you know, of your or emotional brain. I'm an brain. angry person. Right, 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 I've right, written right. things before and go, what the fuck, dude? Why do you even – who cares? Yeah. How important is this in your life? I just – I would encourage people to – and this is just – and this is something that I'm, you know – I've only really, as I've started to get older, really started to appreciate. But, you know, before you feel like you got to take some motherfucker down on the internet, just ask yourself, am I doing this for my own ego or am I doing this to try to understand the situation? Because if you want to succeed at anything, you should really try to understand the nature of the thing first. I mean, like, true power is not knocking everything onto the floor. I think true power is wanting to knock everything on the floor and taking a step back and going, well, I'm not going to do that because that's not going to solve anything. How do I solve this problem or how do I understand this issue? And, or educating yourself. Or how do I educate as much myself? As how do I learn? for Meg, yes. Exactly. I feel like that is a true exercise of power, not coming and going, look how fucking, fucking. I'm smart. I'm so yeah. smart and I'm so mean and I'm so acerbic and I'm so with it and I get it. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. not, that's that's someone crying for attention. That's not solving a problem so i don't know
0: you have a fucking great therapist man you are on it <laughs> uh i'm gonna top this is called this is the first time we've done this is called top me okay beat me uh-oh i have an autographed jerk poster
1: okay oh shit steve autographed the jerk yeah, poster did
0: a movie with him i wore a bad wig but yeah he autographed it yeah,
1: he saw... i met him saturday night he topped me i went to vegas i took my mom to see steve martin and martin short perform in vegas they do a they do a show a show that oh they my travel God. with, and they do songs. And he brings out Steve the yep. Rangers, and they play. And uh, but what do you
0: have in your house, Chris? That you are like? Eh, I think that's cooler than a jerk poster autographed by Steve Martin.
1: Uh, I own um rick moranis's dark helmet from Spaceballs, autographed by mel brooks i
0: forgot about that i saw that on the internet you <laughs> fucking
1: asshole I gotta, I gotta delete that tweet i also I bought didn't mean it i didn't mean it correctly. i also i also bought gene wilder's credit no. plate from young frankenstein it's that it's hand painted on glass in that gothic and, and okay I mean, stop because
0: no. you already got me okay you beat me with the helmet okay i have a rambo lunchbox signed by sylvester stallone <laughs> That's yeah, pretty doing? good. Right, That's right. pretty good. Cool. That's right. You're you were a guardian yeah, too. Hey, you really?
1: Hey, yeah, you really have a lunchbox? How old are you? You're I, 45 years old. I wonder what would happen if Sylvester Stallone ran into Rodney Dangerfield at a car wash. Hey. hey, Rodney. Hey, what kind of
0: car is that? A Benz? Hey, I don't know what it is. They just give me. I drive it. I tell you, I drive it. Hey, hey, what are you doing later? Huh? Maybe we go get an In and Out. Hey, I will tell you, I had an In and Out this morning.
1: Your wife. Hey, it's me, Kevin McDonald. Uh, who drives a blue Acura? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to jump in there at the end. I <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, be- uh, Rambo Lunchbox. That's pretty good. Rambo okay. Lunchbox signs by Sylvester Stone's pretty good. Um, I what do we have? What Jeez. do I have? I have uh, I have a lot of um, original Disney cells. Snow from, White. Snow White. Okay, Pinocchio. Original. Uh, original. How much are those worth? Eh, you know hundred thousand dollars stuff okay we're even we have a couple we have
0: a couple of gremlins original gremlin my wife collects horror props so we have not- gremlins i'm the biggest horror movie fan ever I, I yeah i was just really upset about tobe hooper passing and yes I, hey, he signed my texas chainsaw master poster i'm just a, yeah i'm a huge huge horror nut we've talked about this yes uh, we've talked about this. uh i have a, a adam west signed batmobile i not do- a real one a small batmobile a small- <laughs> i don't have one. Oh, okay
1: oh, okay well come back to me when it gets bigger <laughs> uh well adam was on the podcast and he did sign an action figure Fuck. for me i you know what i haven't okay wait i i have an awkward prom picture with adam west what yes we took an awkward prom picture at comic-con a couple of years ago have you ever posted that i think eh, i think so Maybe yeah you repost that i i could or send re- it to I me could and post it. It. i could repost it
0: uh i have a robert england signed freddie doll that you pull the string and it goes, fuck it. I'm pridey curve. I'll
1: fucking slit your <laughs> cunt off.
0: I'll fucking, I'll, I'll fucking slit your it's Prime time, bitch. I don't know.
1: Oh, I don't know. That's pretty good. Tina. We have um Lydia Lydia bought the dummy from Dead Silence. We have mm. that. She uh She
0: really is a hard nut.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. The Robert England sign, that 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 one's pretty good. I feel like I would need to have like a like a pinhead mole like head oh that would be good but i they're real
0: uh lastly uh carrie fisher did give me her uh set chair from force awakens it's in the office she goes michael take that i go what do you want me to put she goes i don't want that shit you know i don't like that shit take it oh <laughs> uh, what do i have Do you cosplay I by the know. way yeah i do do you dress up i do do you ever like with lydia dress up uh we have yeah
1: privately <laughs> privately <laughs> privately no. do you ever do something with those, a special marital moments yeah, I, I, would, I, used to, I would cosplay at, uh, at Comic-Con quite a bit. Do you ever like to be incognito? Do you ever like to dress up and, like, no one knows me. I could just go around and... Well, if I want to walk the floor, I'll put a... you put a mask on. I'll put a mask on. Yeah. Although it's kind of funny when they go, we'll get security to walk you around. You go, you know no. that just draws more <laughs> attention, right? With security going,
0: excuse me. That doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had some fan questions. Okay. Uh, real quick, and this is at uh, at Sue. Emily mm-hmm. Sudol. who would you bring back from the dead of, uh, on The Walking Dead if you had that power?
1: Oh, that's a great question because there's so many great. It'd be really interesting to see how Shane would. Ooh, because you know Rick was has really been on the sliding Shane scale. Rick was at one uh, diametrically opposite pole. And when he started, he thought he could reason with everyone, and Shane was like, "Hey, man, you can't. This isn't that world anymore." And then Rick has far surpassed where Shane was at that moment. You're just to see where Shane comes back, but I, you know I love Dale. Dale was such oh, a. Oh yeah, but you I never want to be Dale. the you never want to be the moral compass on Walking Dead. The the minute Doesn't someone's well. like, no, it never ends well for the moral compass. So as soon as someone's like, Rick, you really need to take a moment and factor. Like once you start doing that, hey Rick, you need to. Then it's probably it's probably not going to end well for you. Uh, if Chris could be
0: on the Walking Dead. What he wanted to be on Rick's side or Negan's side or a
1: Walker? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, that's—I don't think I—I don't know. Walker's
0: too hard, too much makeup. That'd that'd
1: be—you know—you're in the dead of summer in Georgia. Fuck. Uh, That would be really, really unpleasant—a physically unpleasant experience. You know, I I don't know if I could ever be on Walking Dead, but I feel like, you know, if if Rick and the gang came back to Alexandria after a rough day of fighting. Negan's gang or the Walkers or whatever then I could sit and talk to them about their day like on the couch in one of their houses. I could be like, hey, like, I could just do Talking Dead on, but in their world. But I don't think I would be a good, because I wouldn't be good in a zombie apocalypse. Have you gone to Atlanta? Have you hung out on something? Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. Well, but I have, but I don't want to know what's gonna, coming up on the show. So when I have gone down there, really, I've had have to Really, you're that big of a
0: fan where you just can't.
1: Well, it, yeah, part of it is that and part of it is also just response being responsible like i if i don't know what's going on i never have to worry about spoiling it right and none of my reactions on talking dead are faked like i because i don't know what's happening so if i'm really questioning something i really don't know so like i didn't know who negan killed that whole summer and uh and so it was nice to not know that and then i can actually have real conversations with fans about who i think you know is doing what
0: do you have any desire to, like, act more, to be, like, two serious roles? Would you take three months and do a serious role, and and, and could you, I would, of all?
1: I would. I would. Uh, yeah, I just auditioned for a movie, but no one ever asked me to do movies because I do so much television, and I do so much hosting and stand-up that I don't think anyone ever thinks – like, I have so many friends who are directors, and no one has ever said, hey, I, do you, I want think to of be, you. you want to be in the – I'd be like, yes, but uh, – I think you
0: could play a good serial killer.
1: I think I could, too. And – I bet you could
0: be because you're so nice, you're a handsome guy, I think the dark side would surprise people and I bet you could do it. You bring back those alcohol days, dude.
1: <laughs> Have All a lot the, to draw on. You know what I mean? No, I would love to. I, I, I think I'm I'm just for the fuck of it, I'm gonna audition for, for movies. But I wanna make I wanna make horror movies. I, that's what I I would like to do. Yeah. I, would like to, I would like to make them. I would like to produce them. I might Want to direct one? I don't know. I'm sending you this freaking script. I was thinking you as an actor. You want to produce? You want to produce horror? You love horror? I do love horror. Yeah, I love it. It's it's pretty much all Lydia and I watch. We get the Shutter app. We watch Martyrs. Did you see Martyrs? Uh, did you see the loved ones? I'm sure we did. The loved
0: ones where it's like a you know where he she her and her father kidnap the the guy who she asked to go to prom with her and they torture him in the house.
1: No, but I have amazing. You have sound, got to see that. Yeah. We, we see pretty much – and what's interesting is that I we watch on iTunes and we watch on Shudder and Netflix, but most – Shudder is the only thing that knows how to properly categorize horror films. It's like iTunes will throw like – Everything th- at you. Everything in there, thrillers, and they're like, that's not a horror movie. Right. Uh, but Shudder, if you're not on it, is insane. Yeah.
0: Uh, I just want to be scared. I don't think anybody scares me anymore. I mean, there's a few movies like Insidious, two thirds of that movie scared me. Right. It Follows scared me. The Strangers scared me. In- uh,
1: uh, paranormal Activities, the first. You know, ones. It Follows didn't freak me out as much. It didn't freak me out, but it was cool. Everyone, it, was it was really cool. But everyone I talk to about It Follows, they're always like, the music was awesome. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. It was so original. It brought us back to the 80s. I think it that's was why. such a cool idea. It yeah. was such a cool idea. But I think I was so front loaded with, it's so fucking. And it's the same thing. Like I wasn't. Yeah, I, I saw it before all that. I wasn't devastated by the witch either. The the movie, the witch. Right, the witch was beautifully
0: gorgeous. shot. Music composed, directing, acting, everything's phenomenal. All
1: I wanted to see is that fucking witch for a couple <laughs> more times. <laughs> all you wanted to see was something. It just like the movie, it was, and it's a yeah. gorgeous movie. It's hard to say it's a bad movie because it's a good movie. It is not good. it's Scary, and the end is Enough. cool. The end is really cool. Yeah. Uh, i want to be scared man i want to it's scared or the thing about being a horror fan is you know out of 20 things that you watch 19 of them are probably not going to be great There are going to be things about them where you go oh oh that was almost but knowing how hard it is to make something i am very forgiving and i go you know what maybe they lost light or give me or that day (laughs) that's really or maybe they didn't
0: have the budget to train to boost on Train to Busan was great, fucking phenomenal. So to fantastic. be able to do like a zombie movie nowadays and keep your attention and have a great story and keep it, it, it blew me away. Did you see the girl with all the gifts?
1: I did not. Good, it, good, 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 uh, good take on that. I should see it. Yes, it's fantastic. Really? Glenn Close, it's great. I we loved it. Did you hear did you not did you hear not good things about it? I, I yeah, well, Rotten Tomatoes gave
0: it like 90%. I was like way up there, and I was just like,
1: okay, I just put it when I watched the trailer, I was like Also I with just, horror, like, you cannot trust Rotten Tomatoes. For some reason I agree. I always say that too. Yes, that's true. That's true. There are some movies that have a high rating where you're like, really? And there are other movies that have a low rating and go, this wasn't that bad. So I, I don't yeah, I think horror, I don't know I don't know what it is about horror, but it's just, you know, horror is such a personal experience for people. Yeah. Because it plays upon whatever you're afraid of, and that's very unique to you. And so if something isn't, you know, so I just feel like it's it's so subjective, but... Um, the new alien didn't scare me at all. Covenant? Well, no, because there was uh. not a lot of alien in it.
0: Well, not only that, but it just was like—I mean—you have Danny McBride, who's the, supposed to be the Bill Paxton character from Aliens, and he's so incredibly funny. He's I bar- love Danny. Danny's like one of my favorite comedians ever, and he's not in it enough. But it really story- was—it
1: really was Fassbender's movie, and Fassbender's like brilliant, but breathtaking but, to watch, of course. But it's just like again, you're like,
0: I want to see more Aliens. I want to see something. I thought you said it was going to be more like Aliens,
1: not you, proverbial right, you, right? But I, I- but I also but there was also, and this isn't that big of a spoiler, but. I, there was a fundamental problem with one thing in the movie where they they land on this planet that they're not supposed to land on, where there's a distress signal, and they're scientists. And the one guy like, takes a piss. He takes a piss, <laughs> the and then f- he leans down to smell a flower. Like, what are you doing? You know you're not supposed to do that. You know better than that. Why well, didn't Ridley somebody?
0: You think somebody on set's looking at Ridley going Ridley? Really? Come on, Ridley. Somebody <laughs> say
1: something. really No one wants to say anything. Don't to Ridley. <laughs> smell the alien flowers. <laughs> ever
0: I would have been the guy Ridley doesn't <laughs> why would he smell the floor pl- you're fired get out of here you fucking uh this I can't tell you what a real treat this has been I mean you know you do so so much and you know I, I like to say that we have things in common sure and that commonality was like growing up and not feeling like you fit in and still feeling like that it, but I like how you've evolved and how you've sort of Grown up, even though you're the, the inner child still fucking pounding inside <laughs> that anxiety. Well, I have
1: a weird thing, which is I, I just, I don't know. I Like, I, when I get knocked down. I get up again. Sorry. You fucking. Why would you put that in my head? Because you had a pause. You, you know what? I'm going to say something. You were right to do it. Would you have done it? I, w- I would have done it. If, you, if, if it had been in reverse, I would have done it. The other night, we were on vacation with a bunch of friends, and we were sitting outside. And it was the most beautiful starscape. We were in far northern California. And it was quiet for a minute. And I just on my phone, I just hit, it's been one week. Like, I couldn't help it. (laughs) Couldn't help it. So, yes. You always got to I love that. I'm the idiot. I'm the idiot. I got to do it. But, uh, yeah. But it's like I like doing stand-up because I like taking responsibility for the whole thing. I like that no one can tell me whether or not I can do it. And I started nervous and I started doing podcasts and stuff because, like, no one would hire me. And so I was like, well, fuck you. I'll just make my own thing. I don't, I have the internet now. I don't need you. I can just make, I can make it myself and I can just give it directly to people. And so it really just was a reaction to, you know, I guess one, in one parallel universe, there's a version of me who's just stewing, and be like, no one ever, God, I can't get any breaks, you know. But for whatever reason, in this one, I'm like, okay, fuck you. I'll just make it myself. I don't need you. And as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, it kind of, you know, as long as I can survive and I enjoy what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter.
0: And you're doing great stuff. I mean, The Wall. I, 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 I texted you the other <laughs> week, and I was just like, this is... I'm so glad you
1: like it. I just I got emotional. Why,
0: why do you make me emotional in a game show? <laughs> why did you do that? I know, it's I know. Just it's just nice, these touching stories. And what's great is I feel like you're rooting for them.
1: I really You're not am. only funny and gay, but you're actually I for want them to win... NBC's money, yeah, they deserve it. And I it. get that, and I like that about it. And it's a bummer when they don't win. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you real quick was: you're
0: always just talking off the cuff, right? You, do you ever do you ever read off teleprompters? Do you ever like, oh my god, what am I going to say for an hour? Do you ever? Is it never that never occurs to you what you're going to talk about?
1: No, I mean, the, like the top of the show is in teleprompter, which has all the information about right, the contestants. You can't
0: possibly remember all that shit.
1: But otherwise, having done 900 podcast episodes, the podcast is really. uh taught me how to listen to people and talk and 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 even feel like it helped me on my date with Lydia because I it just it just taught me how to engage with people in a way that I don't know if I, I did before, you know, I don't know if I really knew how to do that very well before.
0: I think, I think that's what's happening with me is I I just started this podcast like, you know, a little while ago and the first guests are all my friends and in the entertainment industry. And, and I have a propensity for sometimes, you know, I get excited about something. I want to, my mind's always thinking of another thing and this and like, like real people talk. Yeah. And so that's the more I get into it. I'm like getting, and I'm, I'm really finding out, you know, Inside of you, I'm, like, I'm really getting inside of you. Like, I really get to know you. and I feel better about myself after hearing stories <laughs> like from yourself. Like, it wasn't always easy. And it wasn't like you had anxiety and you suffered from alcoholism. You did all
1: anxiety, it, depression, all of it. And it's still, it still makes me feel like there's hope. You know, it, it I'd it, always just, you know. just keep it at bay. It's always there. And I think recognizing it is good and going, okay, I know you're there. That's fine. You know,
0: well, listen, this has been honestly a blast for me. You're a dynamic, intelligent, uh, insightful, just a friendly, good guy. You're one of the good guys in the business. Oh, I mean, thanks, man. There's a lot of, you know. I mean, look. I, I hate to paint the picture of like, you know, the the, the uh, industry so bad and this because <laughs> there's a lot of great people in it, and we've met through a lot of great people. Like James Gunn's a great friend of great. ours, and he's just one of the most honest guys I know. And I know this was this was one of my favorites. You know, you just uh, thanks for opening up. Thanks of course. for allowing me to be inside of you. Ab, thank you. Uh, what's your uh, by the way? Just uh, your Twitter and your your Instagram. Just like, at Hardwick. At Hardwick is your yeah. Twitter and um, both.
1: Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. This has been Chris Hardwick.
0: Thank you for listening to Inside of You. Um, What else should I do?